What's up, NBA fans? Welcome back to another episode of Full Court Press. We got a lot to talk about tonight. We got playoff predictions. Uh, the seeds are set, uh, so we're going to be taking a look at that. And Luke and I are going to break down our uh, latest mock draft. We're each going to do our own separate one, uh, and we're just going to focus on the lottery for tonight. Uh, we'll get a lot more in-depth than that in the offseason. Um, but, uh, Luke, what's going on, man? Hey, man, uh, I'm excited to do this uh, lottery draft and see how much we either agree or disagree with some of these picks. Yeah, yeah, this should be a lot of fun. Uh, okay, so let's get started. Phoenix. Number one, uh, who are you taking? All right, so the way I did this draft, I'm not doing, like, I try to think of it just, like, not best player available, like what the team kind of needs and, like, and overall. So Phoenix really needs a center. Don't get me wrong, but they need a defensive center because they're just so defensive liability. So, like, DeAndre definitely, like, I go with them, but I'm sticking with it like I did last time. I'm going with Luka Donich just so I can go with him. And then I have Devin Booker and Jackson. And then here's – so I have a hot take. This is why I pick, take Luka. So Phoenix yeah. has two first-round picks after this, the 16th and 17th. I know yeah. a team that has a frustrated center that is a good defensive center, and he knows how to block and get rebounds, and that would help us out. And we don't have to form him in. That's only, like, downside DeAndre Aiden because he's kind of just – Skeptical sometimes on defense. So I go to the Heat, and I'm trading, and I'm sending Tyson Chandler, mm. Jared Dudley, Marquise Chris, the 17th pick, a second rounder. I also have the 40, I have the first second rounder, but that's not going to get in it, or a later on, to Miami for Whiteside and Justice Winslow. Ooh, so that's why I would take Luka, because I just think Justin Winslow at this point, he's not, I mean, yeah, kind of getting healthy and doing a little bit for Miami, but I just think overall he's been injured and not really sitting there like kind of team right now. So I think time for him to move on. You get Chris, you can get a first round pick to Miami. So now you have two first round picks. I think it's a win-win in that way. This picking Luca makes perfect sense. And now you have Whiteside as your center instead of having to draft a center that might not be good at defensively at all. Interesting. Very Interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, you kind of sold me on the, on the madness, uh, behind the method, um, or the method behind the madness as it were. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like it. I, I mean, I think I still have, have, like, I know they need a defensive center. Um, but I, I don't know how good Lucas defense is going to translate into the NBA. Um, he's, he's smart and he knows the spots that he needs to be in. Uh, but that is one of the causes of concern. And Devin Booker has never really been a good defender. So you're looking at a backcourt with two guys who aren't really good defenders too. Um, so I'm not sure I'm not sure how that pairing would work. Uh, and, and I also think Doncic is going to be better suited playing like playing next to a defensive minded guy. I've thrown this out a number of times, but like George Hill or if he, you know, progresses uh, under new leadership, a guy like Frank Nielakina, uh that that to me is is the more ideal fit for Luca. Um, but I, I I see the logic behind it, and if you if you could secure getting Whiteside, and then you know you paired, uh, you know Luca, uh, Booker, Jackson, 
you got uh, Warren off the bench, and then I guess you'd start Bender and Whiteside. Uh, it's a it's a formidable team. I actually kind of like the idea um, uh, of trading for John Wall uh, because his contract is so bad, and he's just nobody on the Wizards likes him. Um, like you, you obviously don't give up the number one pick for John Wall. Um, but I, I kind of wonder if maybe if if the Wizards didn't have to take substantial salary back, if you know they would be cool with taking number sixteen and number seventeen. Um, you know, I could see, I could certainly see that being a possibility. Uh, it's not a great haul, but like, just look at what you know the Clippers got for Blake Griffin, and I feel like John Wall kind of in a similar situation as far as. What's his overall impact? He's he's hurt a lot, um, but he would be a really good piece next to Devin Booker. Uh, and with that in mind, I'm taking DeAndre Ayton. Uh, and you kind of let in with it. They, they obviously have to get a center. A defensive center would be uh, more ideal. Um, but I just think pairing up, uh, you got Josh Jackson, who's a good defender. Um, you know, you can add defensive pieces you know, via free agency or drafts down the road. If you can pair up Booker and, uh, like, Booker at the two and and then, you know, have just this guy who is just a force, um, a, a beast of a player in DeAndre Ayton playing your five, uh, I, I'm not one of those guys who's going to say, like, Shaq and Kobe 2.0. Because uh, that's that's just, just come on, it's way 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 too early to be saying anything that crazy. Uh, but I do think they can be really formidable in in years to come. So that that's where I would go uh, with that. What I mean, what are your kind of general retort to that? Oh no, I mean I agree with you in every way. I mean, don't get me wrong, DeAndre Ayton is going to be really good in the NBA. I mean, his body just in general, he just got the NBA size right now. It's just. I think, I mean, either way, you're not going wrong picking uh, either one. I just think that the defensively, you just have a, you only have Jackson then as a real. I mean, if you get someone like Joe Wall, then it makes sense. But it just, you're now very like defensively liability. And I know Booker wants to do better, and they have so much to. The, Phoenix is a team that can definitely do anything they want, especially if they get the first round pick, because then they have. Three picks, so, I mean, DeAndre and Devin Booker would be a very good match if they can, like, play well. DeAndre spaces out the floor, uh, like, well and can shoot. So, I mean, in the end, it would be really good for Phoenix, either way that they're going. Yeah, I mean, I I think that Booker and Doncic would find a way to work it out as well. Um, And if you're throwing in Whiteside, I I feel like the one, like, big advantage that I would would – give to you on your possible scenario would be Whiteside's a lot younger than John Wall. Um, uh, I'm not, I don't have, you know, their, their ages in front of me, but I I feel like Whiteside is probably like two or three years younger than John Wall. Um, So if you're, you're trying to get somebody who uh, is going to maybe fit your timeline a little better, like maybe that's, maybe that's the better solution, but John Wall is the better player. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's it's there's reasons to do either. Uh, but let's move on. We got Memphis at number two. So with Doncic off the board, who are you going with for Memphis? All right. So I think people are probably going to think I'm crazy. So again, like I'm saying, 
I'm not just going for best available because for Memphis, DeAndre Ayton's out there in my board, but what am I doing? Am I pairing him and Marcus Saul? I mean, I guess you could do that, but that's two big seven-footers. I don't know how it works. I'm not seeing it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I don't know what they're doing. So if I'm trying to keep the current team how it is and keep Marcus Saul, I'm going with number two, Marvin Bagley third. I think if I'm keeping the team as I want it, they need kind of a power forward to play next to Marcus Saul. I know there's a lot of just, I mean, skepticism on like his shot and all that, but he had a lot of, he has a lot of upside. He's still very young. He reclassified into this to go into this draft. He reclassified in the college. So he's still very young. The, Raw potential is there, and if you're keeping the current team, it just makes sense to go like that. Now, Michael Porter Jr. also makes sense, but that's not – I mean, with his back and everything. Now, if he played healthy and all that a whole season, I could – but so I'm just going Marvin Bagley the third for Memphis at number at number two. Interesting. Uh, now I'm really uh, – now I'm really pissed that uh, we decided to go with Tankathon and not have Atlanta have that third pick. We – we, we, just for the the sake of choosing, right? We were having them pick for us, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I get it as far as fit. Um, for, for me, I, I I have been taking Luka Doncic. I I think you know as far as both fit and uh, you know best best player available uh, at number two for them would be Luka Doncic. I think he would immediately come in and pair very well with Mike Connolly in the backcourt. Um, and then, you know, I mean, unfortunately, you still have, uh, you know, just one of the worst contracts in the league in, in Chandler Parsons, um, who's really probably more of a stretch four now. Uh, but you do have some signs of life with uh, Dylan Brooks. Um, he's played, like, a ton of minutes this year. Um, he hasn't been a – like, he hasn't been a great player, but he's been he, he, he's been decent, and they've played him a lot of minutes and, and you know, trusted him. So he could possibly be who's going to be your starting three. Uh, and then you got, you know, Jermichael Green and, and uh, Gasol to round up that lineup. I also think that Doncic is the most NBA-ready player uh, because of his, his, you know, experience playing professionally for three years. I think he, he should come in and have the most impact right away. Uh, and so I think that is also something that would very much benefit Memphis. Uh, and with Tyreek Evans expiring, you, you don't know what's going to happen there. Like maybe you can get him to resign. I think there's going to be a lot of teams who are interested in him. Uh, and so I'm not, I'm not confident that they will be able to resign him. So, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely going Luka Doncic. Uh, I think he would fit the system just fine. I feel bad for him that he'd have to live in Memphis. Um, but, uh, he doesn't going from like living in, in real Madrid or just Madrid rather, uh, to, to Memphis would be quite the culture shock. I would imagine, uh, nothing against Memphis. I'm just, the, the, the change of pace would be interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think he's going to end up going there if they get to, uh, though I do, I, I do think Bagley would fit well with them. I think playing him next to Gasol would be very interesting. Jermichael Green's a player that you could probably move uh, to get, you know, to clear out the deck for playing time. 
Uh, or you could just keep him and, and, you know, work Bagley in and, you know, by the end of the season have him starting. Or maybe by the trade deadline he could be a piece that you could move in. Um, so, yeah, that's very interesting. You've definitely uh, thrown me for a loop uh, almost uh, like kind of twice now. So so we're off to a good start. Uh, number three, Dallas. All right, so Dallas is the one that lucked out. I feel bad for your Hawks because – uh, all Hawks fans are just like, we were so close then because <laughs> Dallas is, is in need of a center. I don't know what they did with Nolan's Noel. I don't know if they hate him or if they love him or what's going on oh, with that. But, yeah. And this is definitely best player available as well. So you're going DeAndre Ayton, pair him up with, I think, with uh, Dirk. One last go, go around and be nice too. They could both space out the floor really well defensively. Now that's another question. Because Jaron Jackson would also be good here, but you just got to be smart about this one, Dallas, and know that Dirk's not going to be there any longer. So now you're pairing Dennis Smith with DeAndre Ayton. I think that'd be a very good, formidable fit for them now dynamic. and in the future. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, it would be, it would be a remarkable. Um, not only if Ayton fell to three, but like that, that pairing would definitely be remarkable. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think he would be. Um, if they somehow lucked into that scenario, he would be like the perfect fit for them. Um, so in in mine, uh, I kind of have you know kind of kind of a similar mindset. Um, they need so many things. Uh, you know, they have obviously uh, a, a, somebody who looks like he's going to be a stud point guard in um, Dennis Smith Jr. But uh, other than that, I mean, they have Harrison Barnes, who's who's a really solid player, um, but he's he's not an all-star player. He's never going to be an all-star player. He's definitely somebody they could move if given the right scenario. Uh, so I think the only only position that they don't take is point guard. I'm going to say Marvin Bagley uh, the third. So we got the same top three, just in different orders. Uh, I think he fits very well with them. Uh, mainly in this sense, like you said, looking to the future, um, you, you, usually teams you want to have two people who can score the basketball. Uh, and, and right now they have Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, Barnes is capable, but again, I don't know how long he fits into that, that sort of uh, long-term plan. Uh, I think Bagley would be a really good combo um, player to, to put alongside Smith. And I also think it would give them some interesting versatility. Uh, they play Barnes about as much at the four as they do the three. So if they did keep Barnes, that would kind of work with Bagley. And you could really test out how, what lineups work best. Does he, does he work better as a center? Does he work better as a power forward? Uh, small ball lineups versus, you know, going big. I, I think there's a lot of versatility that they could find there. Uh, what do you think about Bagley and Dallas? Oh, no, I mean, Bagley would be definitely, I mean, a perfect fit for them. I mean, yes, at first he would have to play center and next to Dirk, but then again, Dirk's kind of old, so I still think he would get plenty of minutes at both the positions. And like you said, I mean, you would have him and Dennis Smith, which I think would be really good. I mean, they're both pretty – they have a lot of upside on, like, how raw they can be with, like, their athleticism and all that. They just – Dennis Smith kind of, I mean, already kind of knows how athletic he is, but 
Bagley's still young, but he still has that potential and all that, so he could definitely form into it. And then Harrison Barnes can be that just kind of old vet. He doesn't need to be the one or two options. So I think him him and Weston Matthews, <clears throat> if you kept them two with uh, Bagley, that'd be nice. And then, you know, you just go with whatever center, Dirk or him or just another vet center. So I think that would work perfectly, too. And Memphis can always – I mean, not Memphis. Dallas can always go out in free agency and get a center, too. So I think yeah. that would work perfectly for them. And I think Bagley, yeah, Bagley's probably the best choice for them. Yeah, and I I think it would be good to get somebody to kind of – I mean, not replace Dirk, but to fill the void that he leaves when he's not there anymore. And I think um, I, I think Bagley has that kind of potential – um, I, it's funny, like, people think I don't like Bagley, um, and it's not that I don't like Bagley, I just think he's a, a particular kind of player that needs the right pieces around him in the right system, uh, and I think Dallas could give him that, I do not think Atlanta could give him that, um, I, I'm not confident in, in him playing alongside John Collins, it, it just makes, it, it worries me, uh, but anyway, speaking of Atlanta, let's move on to Atlanta, uh, I have my Hawks, taking Jaron Jackson Jr. I think he would fit uh, very well next to Collins. He spreads the floor. Uh, he's, he's got a really, really nice stroke. Uh, he's he shot the ball well from three this season. He's six foot 11. He's got good wingspan. He's a rim protector. Uh, so he brings it on the defensive end. He can pretty much guard any position, uh, which is really, really important um, in, in the NBA, in today's NBA uh, for, you know, to get caught in, in a pick and roll situation and, you know, still be able to come up and, and make a good contest on an opposing team's backcourt player. Uh, I, I think he's got all the tools to do that. And I think he's kind of that guy that I think a lot of teams really like him, but a lot of teams may not end up taking him, including Atlanta, uh, just because they don't see as high of a ceiling with him um, as, as some of these other names that are, you know, scattered across like the top 10. Uh, I, I mean, I've seen some boards have him as low as like 10 or 11, uh, which I think is just crazy. Uh, but no, I, I like Jaron Jackson Jr. for fit. I like him uh, as a player. I think he's going to be a really good player. I don't think he's a game changer, uh, but you know, like you're not always going to get a game changer uh, and, and best best prospect available um, doesn't always mean, you know, you're going to get the guy who becomes the best player. You're going to get the guy who you know is going to be a good player. And, you know, maybe maybe he ends up being, you know, uh, uh, just a guy who can spread the floor like Carl Anthony Towns, but one who's like a slightly better defender, you know. Um, we don't know. So, but that's my guy. Who are you taking for Atlanta for? Oh, no, I mean, I'm agreeing completely with you. Uh, at this point, the best possible player that could be on the board would be Michael Porter Jr., but it's just a lot of things you don't know. Yeah, he could be pretty – he could be really good for the Hawks, but just not a lot of things we know right now. With his back, he needs to get full in shape, but I'm I'm going with you. I'm a safe bet. Jaron Jackson Jr., I mean, everything that you said, it's just – he would play really well against Collins. He's definitely made a name of himself. Not a lot of people had him very high this year, and he kept on just proving himself and proving himself. I mean, besides Mo Bamba, 
who Muhammad Bamba, who's got like a ridiculous wingspan. Jackson is right up there with him and blo- like blocks per game. I mean, it could be. So they're both going to be very good defensive centers. That's something the Hawks definitely would need next to John Collins. And I think it would be a good formidable lineup with Schroeder, Bazemore, Prince, Collins, and Jaron Jackson, a, de- a decent defensively team too. Give you John Collins to be very springy, and they both can just uh, spread the floor. So I like Jared Jackson, and uh, I, yeah, Hawks fans might not be excited because it's not the super flashy name, and you know, you, you tanked for a reason to get something, one of these big names, and all that. But in the end, this could be a very good fit for all teams, and Jackson's super young as well, and just give him time. He's keep he keeps on just learning the game, and it could be a really good pairing with him and Collins down low for the future. Yeah, and and again, too, in that same respect, um, like on, on a lot of the different Hawks chat chat rooms that I, you know, follow or what a chat, I just said chat rooms, I'm showing my age, uh, social media pages, um, uh, basically, uh, people don't like Jackson. Like they're just they're and and to me, it just goes back to like, what do you want in a big in today's NBA? You want a guy who can spread the floor, and you want a guy who can anchor a defense. He can do both. Like, who cares if that's like if he doesn't have, you know, the the same like uh, playmaking ability, like to make a play for himself as say, you know, a Marvin Bagley, like. That, do you want to win games? Like, because, like, if you want to win games, then, you, you know, you go with a guy who is going to do what you need to do to win games. And to me, that's Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, for this particular team, anyway. Uh, anyway, moving on, Orlando, number five, who are you taking for the Magic? All right, so the Magic are kind of one of those teams, what are you doing? So, thank, I mean, if I am the coach, so maybe they can start over with a new, but they definitely need another coach. That's a floor general out there that needed it for a long time. I really like another point guard a lot more just because I think he has a lot more upside, but I just think with the magic and this kid, the way he just played this past year, I'm going with Trey Young. I think you finally get your point guards of what you like the magic are looking for. I mean, you already have Isaac and Aaron Gordon down low and all that. So you have down low pieces and all that. So you've been in desperate need of a point guard. I do like Colin Sexton. I have, I think I have a little bit more upside of him just because it's physical, like his body is just a lot bigger, NBA ready. But Trey Young, just what he can do with the shot and all that. And I think Orlando Magic hops all over that. Yeah, actually, I, I'm. I find it a little interesting. I, I mean, I, I, I understand um, why you why you put Trey Young there um, because it's, it's probably like most people, it seems like most people still kind of have him as the best point guard, uh, not not excluding Luka Doncic, who, of course, is, is, you know, leagues above, but he and Sexton. Um but most most people still have young. But you're you're like the hardline Sexton guy. So I, I take it you're just assuming that like the Magic are going to be one of those mini teams that um, just feel like Trey Young is the better gamble. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I think 
they're just going to also ride on his name and the flashy stuff he could do and yep. trying to sell the next Curry. So I think they're going to try to high, ride that hot like wave that he's coming into out of college. Especially, I mean, if he if he can if his shot can translate, which Curry's shot ended up translating to NBA, a shooter knows how to shoot. I mean, Trey Young's going to be super. I mean, he's going to be in Orlando. He's going to be very flashy. So I think it, that they're definitely probably one of those teams that sells very high on them. There could be other people that you could get to, but you just have a lot of big people already, like just power forward and centers that you don't know what you're doing, just threes and fours, you're kind of clogged. So that's why I think Trey Young, just all like best fit, flashiness, Orlando fans liking it, and you finally get the point guard that you've been searching for for I don't know how many years now. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And I, I have the same pick. I think it's got to be Trey Young. Um I, I'm still I'm still on the uh, try to trade Fournier and Simmons uh, for uh, or I'm sorry not Simmons Isaac uh, for um, Andrew Wiggins and then you pair up Trey Young Andrew Wiggins and Aaron Gordon um, I think that would be awesome I think it'd be a lot of fun to watch um, and and the thing is like I I, I really do actually think both teams benefit uh, because you just like Orlando they can't. I don't see a, a really good scenario for playing Isaac and Gordon on the floor at the same time. Um, hasn't really worked well this season. <laughs> like, that's clear. I mean, obviously they have a ton of other problems. Um, but, no, I mean, I, I think that would be great. Uh, Wiggins a little bit younger than Fournier. He's, he's you know, under contract for more years. Uh, and he can be, like, he I don't think Aaron Gordon is is a go-to first option. He could be that go-to first option while Trey Young is is still developing. Uh, and Trey Young's also a really good facilitator, so you know he could distribute the ball around that team. Um, I, I think that would be a very interesting mini big three. Uh, we'll say like just a mini three uh, for for the Magic to kind of start trying to build with. Um, and, and, you know, maybe you make some other transactions along the way, but even if they don't, you have Vucevic at the center, you have um, uh, Simmons at the two. Uh, that's, that's pretty good. And then Terrence Ross backing, you know, backing up uh, the two and the three. Uh, DJ Augustine probably would start to, you know, begin the season, but I think Trey Young would take over probably about halfway through. Um, and then, you know, you got Biombo, uh, uh, yeah, Biombo coming off the bench. I think that's, I mean, that's at least a competently put together roster. Um, and I, I think that would be a lot of fun to watch. I don't think they would like win. Uh, I think it still would take them time to win. Um, but I would, I would definitely enjoy watching that. Uh, and yeah, Trey, he's, he's got a lot of bust potential. His, his ceiling is super high, but his floor is pretty low and, you know, it's definitely a gamble, but you know, six teams fast on Steph Curry, because of the same reason. So I don't think Orlando wants to be in that group of teams. Hell, Minnesota didn't. No, it wasn't six. It was actually five because Minnesota did it fucking twice. <laughs> so passed on Curry. Um, but I, I don't think they want to be that team. I think they're going to they're gonna take him, and I think it's a smart decision because he could be phenomenal. And, you know, I think that would be a good – a good person to pair uh, alongside Aaron Gordon, regardless of any other moves. I, I think that could be kind of the uh, a game changer, so to speak, 
uh, for Orlando. And, yeah, you get him at five and just kind of see what happens. All right, moving on, we got Chicago at six. I think this is – our board's been surprisingly different <clears throat> so far. Um, and I think we, we may start having even more contrast going forward. Uh, who do you have Chicago taking at six? Um, I have Chicago. I mean, Chicago's in, in need of some big people, or big men down there. I mean, they definitely need a center, and a defensive center would be nice. But I think they're going to go with a guy that they've been wanting all year, even if they were in the top pick, like early in the summer when they're supposed to be one of the worst teams. And a kid who has a lot of upside that could definitely come in and change how the organization could be later on in. Definitely, like, IQ's just out the roof. Just let's hope his body is with them. But I'm going Michael Porter Jr. for yep. Chicago Bulls. Yeah, Muhammad Bamba, I think, would be, per- like, good for them, too. It, it depends on which where the coin flips for them on their, their odds right now. But so with them in Sacramento. But, I mean, if they're at six, I'm going with Michael Porter Jr. for Chicago. I think that's the, who they would have taken in, in this summer. I mean, he has a lot of upside. He's very smart. He's just had that back injury. But if that back injury has no flags to it and just – we kind of saw it a couple of games at the end of the year, but you could just tell he was more out of basketball shape, and that's why he wasn't doing well. But you still see it there. I mean, he's 6'10". He's, he's not a Ben Simmons exactly, but he's definitely a type of, like, guy who's that size, who's really smart basketball IQ, and he can have the ball in his hands and control a game. And I think next to Levine uh, and Chris Dine and uh, what's-his-face, we got it. Yeah, it'd be just a nice little, like, that is your little young core that you're doing. And then, yeah, you still need at the center, but you can figure that out later. So I think Michael Porter would be perfect, and Chicago would be happy, especially – if he does end up having the back and not being the thing, you still got him at six. I mean, it's not like you you jumped on him high like at two and all that. So six, right? Michael Porter would be perfect for him right there. Yeah, and I'm I, I certainly agree with you positionally. Um, they they do need a center. Don't get me wrong. I, I I do think they they need you know somebody to be a center for the future. But I think they need a three way worse than they need a center. Like, they, I mean, yeah, Robin Lopez is getting up there, but they still have him. They have uh, Felicio, um, and, and, you know, marketing can play the five when need be. They have Bobby Portis who can play the five. They don't have hardly anybody who can play the three. Denzel Valentine played a lot of minutes at three this year. Uh, and he's like 6'5", maybe 6'6". Six, six. He's not a three. He's a two. Um uh, Holiday, Justin Holiday played a, a, a large chunk of minutes at three uh, as well, and he's really more of a two. So I, I think a wing player is what they're going to be looking at. I will say this: if and and, and this the, the, obviously the, the back thing is is the big you know the elephant in the room. If Porter's back is, I won't even say it has to be like. He has to look 100%, like no issue, blah, 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 blah. Um, but if he goes into the combine and he has he has a good combine and he's moving and everything, like uh, I would be tempted to take him there, uh, even with with 
you know, obviously the lingering notion that he the back thing could come back. It just scares me, man, with with guys who are like six ten who have back problems at such a young age. Like that is such a such a huge risk. Uh because if I mean if you have back problems, like you just there's nothing you can do, you just can't play. Uh so it's it's tedious. I and for that reason, I'm gonna go with Mikhail Bridges. I really like Mikhail Bridges. I have him much higher on my board than most people um have on theirs. I think he's he he's NBA ready. Um probably the second most NBA ready guy other than uh Luka Doncic. Uh I mean he's got the two three years of experience in college versus most of these one and done guys. Um I think too he was rising up the boards last year and when he wasn't even getting major minutes and because he plays on Villanova, uh, he was rising up the board. I think, I think I, at one point maybe had him at like 15, 16, 17, somewhere in there, um, before he decided to go back for his junior season. Uh, and, and this year, you know, when he got the time to shine, he has just been awesome. Three and D player, wing player, uh, definitely going to bring it defensively. I think he's got the necessary tools to be able to become a very effective 20-point-per-game uh, scorer in the NBA. I, I don't necessarily think that that's definitely going to happen or anything, uh, and I would say his upside is probably not as large as, as Porter's, but I don't think – I think his bust potential is, like, way, way lower – so, you know, with all those factors, I think the Bulls, like, I think they they love what they have in marketing, and I think pairing, pairing the two of them to play their forward positions with Dunn, you know, continuing to evolve, uh, and and just having, like, a guy who can, like, play lockdown defense because next to Chris Dunn because we know that is not Zach Levine's game. So having two guys... Markkinen's been surprisingly reasonably good at defense. Uh, he moves a lot better than I thought he would uh, going into last year's draft. He he his his foot speed has I mean, it's not great, but it's translated to the NBA a lot better. Uh, so, but I think he would uh, I think Bridges would help out tremendously on the defensive end. I think he would fit well in the system. Uh, I will say this though: one thing I do like about Porter is because Porter is so tall, he can play the four. And so you could have potentially in some lineups, you could have Markkinen at the five, him at the four. I do like lineup versatility. Uh, so that would be, you know, one spot where I would give the edge to him. But just the health health issue alone, I'm, I'm going with Mikael Bridges. Um, but let's move on. we got Sacramento at number seven. Who do you got the lowly Sacramento Kings taking? So I got the Sacramento Kings taking Muhammad Baba. They're just going to go with a guy who definitely they need a center. I mean, he's almost like a Willie Cauley side where he's defensively, but way, way more of an upside. He's definitely shown that he could have an outside jump shot game. There's a, his, he's going to have the, the biggest wingspan ever in NBA. I mean, He's not a Rudy Gobert yet, but he could definitely be a Rudy Gobert, and he looks like he's got somewhat of a an outside stroke. So I think Sacramento would be definitely have him down low, being the defensive center 
starting up, and then you know you have Fox, Buddy Heald, or Buddy Heald's always going to be a six man. Um, Jaron Jackson, oh no, not Jaron Jackson, yeah. Jaren. So I think yeah, Muhammad Bama and their future, and with those young core right there, and um, they also have that kid from Duke too. So they they have a power forward too of the future, and uh, so I think Muhammad Bama would be perfect for them at that point. They'd probably rather have Michael Porter Jr. and hope he could slip. But I think if Michael Porter gets taken before, Muhammad Bama would be the perfect match for just Fox. And then you have a defensive center. He's going to have to – his offensive game is going to take a little bit of time. So you're going to have to be patient for that. But defensively, you know, you're going to have him day one. He's going to know exactly how to play defense for you and, and can definitely help you out that way. Second man has got – a long time they're not they're still got they're very young and just pairing up this young center with a good young point guard defensive point guard and a defensive center i think it it'd be it work well with Sacramento yeah i don't know how much of a defensive point guard fox is um i think his his defense in college hasn't really translated to his first year in the nba um but you know a lot of that it's so hard to like it's not like I get to get a chance to like sit down and, and watch a lot of Kings games. So a lot of that is like be looking at highlights and, and, you know, looking at stats and things like that. So um, maybe he's been better than, than what his numbers say. And that's, that, that could easily be the case playing on a team like Sacramento. Um, I, I, because I have Michael Porter Jr. Slipping to seven, I do have them taking him. Uh, Cause they like, they want home runs. That's why they took Giles uh, when everybody else was like, man, nah, dude, he's, he's, he's got injury issues. Like we're not, we're not risking, you know, taking, taking the guy like that, you know, in the first round. And, you know, they were like, yeah, we'll, we'll give it a shot. They, same thing with like Stal Uh he, he didn't play a lot of minutes uh, coming out of Kentucky and they took him at, I want to say 21, uh, which was higher than most people thought to take him. It's still unclear whether that one's going to translate, but uh, he had had some good moments last year. Uh, I don't want to say he's regressed this season, but he has not gotten better, uh, which would, you know, be a cause for concern with me. Um, But I think, obviously, their biggest need is at the three. Uh, I like... Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, I was really uh, pleasantly surprised uh, when you brought his name up for uh, all NBA, second team All NBA the other night. Um, simply because uh, he. Oh no, he was on my uh, first team. Oh, that's right. He was on your first team. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's so funny. Like I, you just you forget about Sacramento, and then like you know you go back and you look at the draft, and you know obviously he wasn't taken in last year's draft because he was a draft and stash. And he just totally slipped my mind. I would like if I could reconstruct that. I would definitely put find a spot for him on second team. I wouldn't be on first team, but on second team, I'd find a spot for him. Um, and uh, I think he's a really good player. I think if you got Porter, uh, who can play the three, he can play the four. Uh, I think he would really fit well in that lineup. You can either start him at the three and then have Heald as that sixth man. Or you can start him at the four, have Heald start at two, and then have um, Bogdan play the three because he's, you know, he can do that as well. 
that is a potentially dangerous lineup if Michael Porter Jr. becomes what everyone said he was going to become before, you know, this, this college season started, uh, which is like essentially the, the, the general comp was this guy could be the next Durant. Um, and, you know, if he could even be 70% of Kevin Durant, like you're looking at an all-time great player. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think the Kings are the, are the exact kind of team who are like, we'll roll the dice on Michael Porter Jr., like no problem. Uh, so, yeah, for for that reason, I, I definitely have them going with MPJ. Uh, moving on, Cleveland at number eight. Who you got? All right, so <clears throat> for Cleveland, I got a guy that would fit perfect next to LeBron. They kind of wish they got it at a Crowder this year, but it didn't work out. But I'm going with Mikel Bridges right here at mm-hmm. number eight. I think Cleveland would be pleased. Even if LeBron leaves, you know, you still got someone that's he does. He Mikel has a lot of upside to him. I mean, he's definitely a three and D player, but he just has a lot of tangibles in him. He's very smart. He can come instantly in and play next to LeBron. He can help take off a little bit of the defensive load because LeBron's playing a ton of minutes for how old he is. I think he would fit perfectly for them, especially you know spacing out the floor. He doesn't need the ball in his hands, so he's perfect to just be that person next to LeBron that waits. He could definitely come in and just instantly help him. And like you said, I mean, you said he's the second uh, most ready NBA player, and I agree with you, right, in this draft. Like, they can come in. I mean, there's some other ones. I mean, if they weren't injured, like Michael Porter, if you played a complete solid season and looked, but he wasn't. But there's only so many people that could, that right now are going to definitely know how to play, like, on a decent, like, team. And especially for Cleveland, who's not a bad team. And rebuilding, I mean, they could be if they lose LeBron and not real. I mean, not super rebuilding because they'll have some pieces. But Mikel Bridges would be perfect, even with LeBron on the team or off the team, and it'd help them out in the long run and short run. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think he would be uh, if he was on my board there. That is exactly who I would take because, like you said, he can he can play with LeBron. Uh, he can play the two, or he can play the three, and LeBron can play the four. Um, but he can also, you know, step in and play in LeBron's absence if LeBron decides to take his talent somewhere else. Uh, so I, I think he's a very smart and safe pick for them uh, there. Uh, but because he's not available, I'm going with Mohamed Bamba uh, for two reasons. Uh, namely, I I want them to re-sign Hood. I think it would be smart for them to re-sign Hood. And if you re-sign uh, him, hopefully, you know, he's going to take some some steps forward over the next couple seasons uh, and, and eventually become your starting shooting guard. Uh, and also, because whether or not I can re-sign LeBron doesn't matter, I am stretching both J.R. Smith and Tristan Thompson and getting them the fuck off my team. Like, uh, those are just terrible contracts. You can't trade them. I mean, they proved it. They couldn't attach any kind of picks or packages or anything at the trade deadline. Those were like the two ones that they just could not move. Uh, if they stretched both of them to five years, they're each on two-year deals. Uh, J.R. Smith is only guaranteed $3.87 million in the last year of his deal. If they stretched both of those, it would save them $21 million in cap space this season. Uh, that would be huge. Uh, whether you keep LeBron or you don't keep LeBron, um, 
But if you do something like that, if you're gonna, you you have a backup plan for J.R. Smith in Rodney Hood and Kyle Korver. Uh, if you do something like that, yeah, Kevin Love can play center. Um, but I think they're even kind of seeing like he he's not really a center. Like it, it's tough. It, you know, he, I think he's great as a small ball center. I just would not want him to be playing center every single game of every single season. Um, I. I like Ante Zizic. Uh I like the little bit of time that I saw from him this year, um, but I, I wouldn't trust him with that kind of role long, like long term. So I think if you draft Bamba uh, and you make those those moves, you're looking at a reasonably good team. If LeBron ends up staying, and if he ends up walking, then you know you've got like a solid defensive-minded center to build with in the future. You've got Nance. you got Rodney Hood. Uh, you know, you've got some, some pieces there. Jetty Osman, uh, Jetty Osman, I think is maybe how you pronounce it. Um, I like I liked a lot of what I've seen from that guy lately. Um, so I, I think uh, center is the biggest position that they need long-term because Tristan Thompson ain't it, and I'm not sure that it's just either. Um, and I, I have – at least some confidence in some of their other pieces. I think point guard would be my other uh, would be my other kind of instinct of the way to go. Um, you know, mainly because I don't. I mean, George Hill's not going to be there for very long. But I just I like Bamba more than I like the next point guard more than I like Colin Sexton. Uh, so yeah, I'm going with Bamba uh, to kind of step in there and be their center for the future. Now the only question is is taking taking Bamba a risk to you losing LeBron. Um, I don't personally think so. I think LeBron's either going to leave or he's not going to leave, and the draft pick isn't going to change his mind. Uh, But what do you think? Do you think, like, would you be worried about taking a guy like Bamba or any other piece who you're going to – it's probably going to take time to develop? No, I would not be worried at all, <clears throat> especially with LeBron's choice of not. I mean, Bama has a lot of upside. I mean, he's, he's not a unicorn, but he's almost a unicorn. I mean, he's just a freak, just how big he is and just his wingspan and all that. He definitely understands it defensively. I mean, that helps out Cleveland so much. It's something they've been lacking. I mean, Tristan's just terrible. I've never really had a center. I mean, they just signed Kendrick Perkins to play in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, that's just telling you how much Cleveland's needed a center. So I think, it, I mean, I, he's already off my board in mind, but I think he'd be perfect for Cleveland uh, with all the other people, like, that could possibly be there. Bamba could be, help him out. You know, it takes some time to develop him, but it could definitely help him out. I mean, he's not going to be scoring you off at the points a ton, but he's going to be getting you at least one or two blocks a game helping doing some good defensive plays, also taking a little bit off the load of LeBron because you know you have a defensive center, so you don't you don't have to worry about as much people driving in on the lane on you. So I think it would work out perfect for them, and it definitely would be a pick regardless of LeBron. This would be a good person to kind of build, and, you know, he has a lot of upside, and can we can we get it out of him in the end? Right. Yeah, I mean, that, that would be – that would be the big question, but I definitely think that um, he just makes sense on, on a lot of different levels. And yeah, you just 
if you're Cleveland, you can't make your decision based on what LeBron's going to do because you just don't know. Like you have no idea, and if you if you make a decision, uh, if you make a decision thinking that it's going to appease him, but it doesn't end up mattering, then you've taken a player that maybe you just didn't really want. Um, and I think I also think too, for at least as far as who's gone on my board, I think Bamba is the best player available there. So that you know that's our best prospect available, I should say. So that's you know the, the kind of big reason. Uh, all right, New York. Who are the Knicks taking? So the Knicks kind of need, I mean, they definitely needed a three for a while. I mean, that's the position. And I think this kid would be perfect for him. I think he has a kind of like New York style to his game and all that. And I'm going with Miles Bridges. I think he he could have went last year and been a t- like just around the same type of pick. I think Knicks might have even taken him last year if he was in the draft. So I think this year, especially – if he slips, yeah, they probably would like Mikel uh, Bridges if he was there. or And then there's also Kevin Knox. But I think Miles just – he's from the Michigan area. He played for Michigan State. You know, he just kind of got that northern swag to him. He definitely has a lot of upside. He's, he's athletic. I mean, there's some games that he really showed it in, in the college and definitely took over. But there were some times that he almost went mellow-esque on him where he just kind of disappeared. So, But I think – for the Knicks in their future, yeah, you could go for a point guard and maybe get a Colin Sexton, but I don't think for right here, I think a three would be a more of a need for them, and going with the Miles Bridges would be a nice little thing once you have a healthy Kristoff, and then if you do re-sign Ennis Cantor, because Ennis Cantor is a serviceable uh, center, he always, you know, he can get you a, a bunch of boards and all that, and he can get you at least 10 points, so I think Miles Bridges would just know how to fit that New York lifestyle too, because it's very hard to go drafted by New York. I mean, it's a top market that's just a miserable team for a while. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately for uh, our cohorts, uh, Jawan and, and particularly Joel. Um, but hey, I, I experienced it this season, and you know, I like Joel's right. It does suck rooting against your team, like rooting for your team to lose. Like it's a, it's an interesting feeling. I, I've, um, like I don't remember like having as much knowledge about you know draft and 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 tanking and all that when the last time the Hawks were bad, which was like ten years ago. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I'm with you there. I like Miles Bridges there too. I think one of the big reasons, uh, I do think you're right. He's he's got the kind of mindset. Uh, you know that that would basically, you know, the whole the whole notion of you can't you can't have a rod syndrome and like you know essentially crunch under pressure because New York just will rip you apart if you do that. Um, and I I think Miles Bridges a I don't think anyone's going to expect him to be like their savior, um, but I think he's going to be a very solid piece for them. I definitely see him as a starter in this league. Uh, and also, he's he's got that ability to play both the three and the four as well. He's 6'7", so he's undersized at the four. Um, but in a small ball lineup with Kristaps at the five, I mean, it could definitely work. Um, and then, you know, have Hardaway at the three and then, you know, Lee and, and Moutier or Neely Kina, uh at the one. But, yeah, it, it, I, I like 
I, I just like him a lot. He just does a lot of things well. Uh, he's not like he's he's like Swiss Army knife. He's not great at anything, but he's he does so many different things well that I I just feel like he's he's the guy that they need. And you're right, they so badly need a three. And I just don't trust Kevin Knox. I just don't like he's. I don't know if he's going to be a, a really good NBA player. I I just don't know. I he's he's younger. Uh, I think he's definitely going to be a lottery pick. But uh, if I'm putting my money down on you know who's out of those two guys, who am I taking? Which you know I'm going to frame it like that because those are the only two like threes that are in that range. Um, I'm definitely going with Miles, and I, I think New York will as well. Uh, and I think I think he'll end up being a very good player for him. Uh, Philly choosing at number ten. Who do you got, Philly? Going with. So um, I have Philly. Uh, they're in the need probably of a three as well. I mean, with all yep. their pieces and just I mean, someone too. I mean, they got a serviceable three, a very good defensive three. So. They could definitely pick a guy that could take some time to to form into his game that could have a lot of upside, and it's something that you were just talking about, and I'm going Kevin Knox. Um, yeah. I've been with you, too. I mean, I have him out of the small forwards. I have him third. He does have a lot of upside. Um, I am a Kentucky fan, so at first I kind of was down on him for the – but it's slowly – like, throughout the season, he kept on, like, just playing and better and better, and he, this game's kind of, like, new to him. I mean, he was a football player before – he started really paying attention to basketball. That's why he's just so he tall and all that. He started paying attention to those dollar signs is what he started paying yeah. attention to. <laughs> so I think Kevin Knox has a lot of upside if he could figure it out. And I think where Philly's at right now, they wouldn't have to rush him into like playing instantly. And he could come in and take maybe one and one and a half years to just really form into what he could be. And that could be perfect timing for Philly to just now we're taking the next with him. Folds, Simmons, Embiid, you know, you just have now all of them are young and, and, and finally figured out the game. So I think he'd be perfect for him right there. They probably would take any, I mean, the, the bridges over him, but for where he's at right now, I think they'd be perfectly fine. Wendell Carter Jr. could be a good, a decent person just because he could space out the floor and all that. But I think you just, I mean, you have Embiid and all that, and you have um, Sarge. So you kind of have your power forward in. And center, I mean, Wendell Carter would be good, but I think Kevin Knox would just be a good three for them long-term when he finally does figure out the game, and you wouldn't have to rush him with Covington, who's a good defensive player already on their team in front of him. Yeah, uh, I I have no qualms with that take. I'm going, I am going Wendell Carter, uh, mainly because uh, I do just simply think he's the best player available. I actually think... I don't think he's a better prospect, but I do think Wendell Carter is going to be a better NBA player than Marvin Bagley Jr. Um, I I just think his game translates better to the league. Um, now, I mean, Bagley, given the right situation, could shine and, and could totally prove me wrong, uh, but I think most situations fit a guy like Wendell Carter. Like you said, big guy, can space the floor, uh, he's just uh, again, like a much better defender than Bagley. He's not on the same level as, as Jaron Jackson, in my opinion. But he's, he's still 
competent enough to to protect the rim. Uh, and his 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 foot speed isn't as good as Jackson, but it's not bad either. Like he's he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be a really good player. Uh, I I you know I I threw this out to you about them. Uh, if he fell there, uh, you know them offering. Uh, to take him and send him to uh, Boston uh, for the Kings pick next year. Uh, I also think, uh, you know, and I brought this up in our little uh, private chat the other day, uh, if if they took uh, whoever the Bucks wanted at 10 and 26 uh, and then, um, you know, agreed to trade them once after they had signed, so, so essentially like with the uh, – Cavs did with Andrew Wiggins uh, when LeBron went back. You know, they they uh, everyone knew the trade was going to happen, but he had to be signed for a month before the trade could could you know go through. Uh, so I I think that there's a possible trade there uh, that could net them Chris Middleton. Uh, so I I would throw that out there uh, and just see like Middleton's in the last year of his deal. Um, he's probably going to want a pretty big payday. Uh, I think he would fit in great on that Sixers team, especially if they went out and got a big name like LeBron or um, Paul George. Uh, so I, I did want to kind of throw that out there. Uh, but if I'm just taking for them, Wendell Carter makes a lot of sense. Uh, it's kind of Embiid insurance. Um, Embiid's still got the health concerns. Uh, if you get a guy like Wendell Carter, like hopefully Embiid stays healthy and everything. But, you know, if you're still just going to build with, you know, these these – draft assets and everything else. Uh, I think getting a guy like Wendell Carter makes a lot of sense, uh, you know, for having a, a long-term sort of backup, uh, or at least for the next four years, three or four years, until, you know, his, his rookie deal, maybe you can trade him the last year of his rookie deal. That would be a pretty valuable contract, I would imagine, uh, in the fourth year of, of uh, his deal, so, you know, to avoid paying him if indeed has proven that he can stay healthy over that time. But it gives you somebody to have in your, in your back pocket in case you need, you know, uh, you need a guy to come in and, and give you minutes at the center, valuable minutes at the center. Uh, so, yeah, that's why I'm going Wendell Carter. Okay, Charlotte, who you got Charlotte taking? So I have Charlotte taking Wendell Carter Jr. I think, Right here, he'd be perfect for them. I don't really know Charlotte's plan, but Dwight is very old, and you can definitely have him playing under Dwight. I think Dwight could be a good mentor, too. I think he's got a lot of bad publicity of being a, like a head case, but I think Dwight is actually a good, serviceable like center, and he could definitely teach a Wendell Carter Jr. I had a buddy ask me this, and I want to ask you this, Nick, right here. Real quick, it's a little quick off topic. Do you think Dwight Howard is going to be a Hall of Famer? No, I don't. Okay, I so I was the same way. He maybe you deserves re- it, but I don't think I don't think I don't think he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He, I mean, he doesn't have a ring. Uh, he, he did lead a team in which he was the best player on to the finals, though. So maybe that's enough to get him in. Um, he's always been a great rebounder, and and for like five years he was like amazing offensively, even like just working down in the post. But it was a very short-lived tenure uh, of of him being an elite offensive threat. So I don't know. I, and he's never like he gobbles up rebounds, but 
has he ever been like a really great defender? Like, did, have you ever won defense? You know, he won. He won three years in a row. Oh, I was did he? When okay. Gonna... <laughs> yeah, I, I see. Yeah, I'm, back, I'm back in those magic my, days, so, my Dwight stats. So, so Dwight gets a lot of negative publicity just because of what he did. But you ready to hear the crazy thing? I don't know if it's three. He does have a couple of defensive players uh, back with the Magic, but. Here's the craziest yeah. stat I've ever heard. Since 1983, when they started doing this, who do you think has the most 2020 double-double games in the NBA? Now, they started, like, keeping track, like, stats. When did like they start this. keeping track? In the 83, 83. So, since 1983. Okay, well, because it, it would have been Moses Malone. Um, but uh, that, that's not early enough for it to be him. I mean, I guess Dwight Howard? Yeah, so Dwight Howard has, like, 54. Who do you think has the second most under him? 20, 20 games. Um, Andre Drummond's not really good enough to get enough 20-point games. Um, uh, 20 rebounds. Think of another Magic. Think of another Magic player. Oh, Shaq. Yeah, Shock Attack. Shock Attack only has 26. So Dwight Howard has almost doubled the amount of 2020 double-doubles. That is a crazy just that in my mind. Like, just to yeah. add on to the top of it. So I kind of would throw, after hearing that, I'd throw him in there. So getting back to the draft and all that, I think if you're keeping Kim Walker, too, for some dumb reason, you're just going to make him miserable. You have a, a good, decent center to come after the last year. I think this will be the last year Dwight Howard has in his contract and, and take over with Ken, uh, with him a walker and he could learn a lot from Dwight I think it would be a nice little mentor for him because Dwight is smart and understands the game and like you say Wendell Carter does have a lot of upside he came out of high school being a power forward and kind of just got thrown into the center position because of Marvin Bagley hopped up in the class and all that and they needed to play them but I think he did it really well this year and he just shows that he he's he's smart and he's willing to learn the game, and they're both from Atlanta. I think the Atlanta boys would do well just teach, uh, learning from one another. Yeah, it's interesting. My, the thing, it would be like the, 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 taking him would be like a quintessential Charlotte move um, because they traded two second-round picks for Willie Hernan Gomez. And it's like, of course, they would take Wendell Carter Jr. after they just traded for Willie Hernan Gomez. Um, I don't know how they see Hernan Gomez long-term, but to give up two second-rounders for him, like, um, and two second-rounders that could be, like, valuable second-rounders, um, yeah, I, I, for that reason, I can't take uh, a, a big there. Um, I, I would – I'm just going to go Colin Sexton because I feel like – like, if you're going to keep Kemba, you probably like you don't. Go, well, you just you don't go Colin Sexton. <laughs> um, you would probably go Kevin Knox. Uh, I just I don't. I think Colin Sexton is just going to be better than Kevin Knox. So I'm going to take Colin Sexton, and then I'm going to try to trade Kemba Walker uh, to get some value out of him. Not sure where that value would be coming from. Uh, but, you know, I mean, there's several teams out there who could definitely use Kimba Walker and, you know, maybe you could get some, some sort of quality package around him. 
uh, either on draft night or maybe, you know, once free agency begins uh, and, you know, other other teams, uh, you know, uh, play, players find their homes and, you know, Kim, then Kimball Walker is, is sitting there like available to a handful of teams who really, really need him. Uh, so, yeah. That's what I'm going with. Clippers, we got back-to-back picks, 12 and 13. What two players are you taking for the Clippers? All right, so if I'm the Clippers, I, with my board, I'm happy exactly where I'd be so mad if I was one pick away from getting one of these guys that I really needed. And I'm going to call him Sexton and Robert Williams. I think Clippers are smart not to make the playoffs. I kept telling my buddy lives out in L.A., whose guy's roommate is a Clippers fan, that, no, dude, why do you want them to make the – the the playoffs they have a big Clippers have a good team if they can re-sign DeAndre Jordan I like I think they won the trade trading away Blake Griffin I think um uh you'll have Avery Bradley who's had a very injured year so you can have him hopefully coming back sign him to a reasonable deal he's a very good defensive and then you have Lou Williams coming off the bench you have also you'd be having Avery Bradley and um First team all defense, man, was Patrick Beverly. So that'd be a, just a nasty defense. And then you have, uh, who, um, man, why am I forgetting? Uh, Tobias Harris is really good in that. And so you would have yes. Colin Sexton being a point guard to uh, come off the bench and maybe take over the role of Patrick Beverly and such a learn from Patrick Beverly as well, like a defensive player. And Colin Sexton's long and He's pretty big for, like, that size. So he's got a nice size wingspan. So I think it would be a good mentor, him and Avery Bradley. And then Robert Williams, be able to play either side-by-side with DeAndre Jordan. Man, that would be explosive. Or backing up DeAndre Jordan. So I think, in the end, the Clippers are smart, not making the playoffs, getting this. They could also try to package both of these and trade up, I mean, to maybe Orlando Magic, who's kind of like, okay, yeah, we don't really need something. We can take Colin Sexton down there. So – the Clippers are very at a like at a point where they could have made the playoffs and they have a good future right now. Especially, you know, we don't know Doc Rivers, but still like their team right now, if they re- can re-sign everyone, they'd be smart to go with both of those players or try to trade up in the draft with a team like Orlando Magic. But Colin Sexton and Robert Williams would be the perfect now you get your point guard and your center. They're young and they can play with everything and it just it'd be a perfect fit all around. Yeah, I mean, I I think that those would be very very good selections uh, for for both both parties. I'm gonna go with uh, Shea Gildas Alexander um, out of Kentucky uh, and Kevin Knox. I think they're both versatile players. Uh, Shea can play the the one. He can play the two. Um, they don't have like a point guard of the future. Um, I mean, Jawan Evans, I think, is a solid backup for the future, but he's not, you know, I don't think he's a starter. Uh, and all of their other guys are either old or, you know, uh, Rivers. <laughs> uh, who, um, I, I, he has games – he, he – he has games where he plays really well, but he is not a he's not a really good player. Um he's kinda like Jeff Green in that in that respect or Josh Smith. Um but uh but yeah, like I think they definitely need a point guard. I think Shea Gildas Alexander is gonna be pretty damn good. Uh he's definitely impressed me down the, the, the latter stretch of the season. Uh and then Kevin Knox, I, I put him in there because he's versatile, he could play the three, could play the four. 
Uh, he at least has one year to back up Tobias Harris, who's expiring. Um, and you know, if you re-sign him, I think I think Tobias Harris kind of works uh, at a three or can you know play the three or the four as well. Um, and so you know, if you can re-sign him, uh, you know, then you have one more year of um, oh damn, what's his name? What's the the dude who used to play for Denver? Gallinari. Yeah, there you go. Gallinari. Uh, old Gallinari, he's got he's got two years remaining, so like he can basically be your replacement to Gallinari. Slide Tobias Harris to the four, play him at the three. Uh, it, all this is all assuming you're 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 keeping DJ uh, around. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I think that's those those would be could both be really solid NBA players and potential. Like, I mean, they both have the potential to you know be all-stars in the future. Um, not high probability they will be, but, you know, they, they they both have that at least that potential. So that's, you know, I, I think those would be very smart picks. Okay, with the final pick, we have Denver Nuggets. Who you got the Denver Nuggets taking? I have the, you just picked them already for the K, uh, Clippers. Shea Gillis-Alexander, I think. Yeah. Yeah, they have Murray and um, Gary Harris, but I think he'd be a good – Backup, or if you need to start him, and you have you got Murray to be a sixth man because Murray's not a true point guard, but he's got a really good shot. So, Gakeless Alexander, I think he's proven himself throughout the year. He kept on getting better and better, and really they started forming the game like their whole game plan around him, and it really worked. So I think Denver would really use a guy like this to come either off the bench or slowly take over. So I think that would be a nice rotation for the three for Denver. Up at that, up at the guard position, work well with the jokester and all that, and, and Paul Millsap. So, I think uh, Shea Gillis Alexander would be perfect for them right at that moment. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I think I definitely think Murray has played well at point guard, um, but I'm not sure that you know. I, I I think he could be just as good, if not better, if he was playing the two and you had somebody else running the point. Um, and now, of course, we have Gary Harris, who can't. He's not really big enough to play the three. Um, but at least it, you know, getting a guy like Shea just gives them, uh, you know, that much versatility with the different backcourts that they can play around with. Um, so yeah, I think it would be interesting, uh, interesting to see. Um, I, I feel like they this team like clearly needs a three for their future. Um, I don't really like right now they Will Barton plays a lot of minutes at the three as their sixth man. Um, Wilson Chandler is their starter. He's got one more year um, and he's getting up there. Uh, but there's, I mean, it, it's like I'm stretching no matter who I'm picking. Uh, if I'm taking a three, I'm either, I'm probably either going Zan and Musa, Chandler Hutchison, or, and maybe uh, Kata Bates Diop, like that that would be like the three. Um, I kind of feel, and I know it bit them last season. I kind of feel like they're gonna trade down again, um, and it really sucks because like last year they did it and they missed out on Donovan Mitchell, and that just that's just such a bummer. But though they were going, they were hoping they were going to be able to get OG Ananobi, which would kind of make sense, you know, in hindsight. Uh, 
it makes sense, like, what they were thinking. Like, we could – because I think, uh, obviously, you still take Donovan Mitchell in any scenario, but uh, uh, Ananobi has, has been a pretty solid NBA player, a very defensive-minded guy. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I think ultimately – uh, I think you probably just go BPA, which would probably for me be Robert Williams. The only thing that sucks is you don't need a center. Like, and he's, and I know he's like plays power forward in college. He's, to me, he's an NBA center, and that's just like the last thing you need. Um, but I think you probably go Robert Williams, and then you try to figure out some kind of different trade possibilities, trade scenarios where you could, um, you know, take that and, and, you know, trade down, you know, for, for something that's just more beneficial. Uh, but um, that wraps up our uh, mock draft uh, portion of the show. Uh, let's talk some playoffs, man. There's a lot of very – Interesting matchups here. In the East, we have the Raptors versus the Wizards. We have the Celtics versus the Bucks. The Sixers versus the Heat. And then the Cavs versus the Pacers. Um, I want to talk first about this Sixers-Heat matchup. I think the Sixers, like, they got the worst possible damn matchup, man. Like, I mean maybe, like, maybe, I mean, obviously they'd be playing the Pacers if they slipped the four, but the fact that six, seven, and eight, like, all shook up the way it did, uh, I would much rather want to play Miami or Washington than, I'm sorry, Milwaukee or Washington than Miami. Um, there's just a weird team uh, who, you know, they can, they they just have so many different guys who can be effective. Uh but I tell you this, I'm really happy that we're getting it because uh, Whiteside versus Embiid has been a thing this year, and I'm so excited to watch this series. Uh, I'm like, I, I, I think the Sixers will probably win it in six, uh, but I definitely think that Miami's got uh, got a chance. Uh, what are your thoughts on this series? Yeah, I had definitely had it go in six. I mean. Uh... I like the matchup between Whiteside and Embiid. Hopefully we can get a lot of them playing. I mean, Embiid's coming off this injury. We're going to get masked Embiid, and are they going to bring him back as soon? And then Whiteside with this whole – he hasn't been really fitting with the team. So, But I like that matchup. I do think 76ers in the end have the advantage because they're just so long, and they're pretty good defensively. Um, if Dwayne yes. Wade can usually do what Dwayne Wade does in playoffs where he really just, just turns it on – and just becomes Dwayne Wade again, they they can definitely make it interesting, possibly bring in a seven. But uh, I think they actually lucked out. Uh, not lucked out, but I think the worst matchup for them that would have to draw was just the Washington Wizards. I mean, yeah, they got John Wall back, and they're kind of like not figuring it out and all that. But still, you, you're playing against a team that's been in the playoffs the last couple of years. John Wall, Bradley Beal are both uh, – all stars. So I think out of all teams, Sixers probably didn't want to go up against them with not ha- not knowing Embiid's thing. So I I do like Miami a little bit more uh, over them just because Miami is fairly young. They don't have a true superstar. Whiteside is a defensive rebounding big guy name, and Dwayne Wade's kind of old. So you know, kind of luck out right good. there. Well, Gordon, Gordon Dragon's good, but he's not like he's not going to be dropping twenty four to t- like 
28 points a yeah. game on you where you need him. So, but yeah, he's, so, he's going to be – he'll get you like 16 to 17 points. Yeah, um, he'll be, he'll be and, very serviceable. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I mean, I feel you. Like Washington – Washington's just a, a, a train wreck right now, though. Uh, so let's transition over to their series with Toronto. Um, I feel like if you look at these teams on paper, uh, I, I really feel like Washington has the more talented starting lineup, uh, but they have no bench. Uh, they're in utter disarray. I think Toronto might sweep them. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, though, and say Toronto in five. Um, I, I think Washington will be able to get a game at home. Uh, but I don't think this series is ever going to be in jeopardy. Uh, I like, I'm not, I'm not like super high on Toronto or anything, but like, I think they're going to handle business when it comes to Washington. What are your thoughts? Um, I, I do think they're going to handle their business now. I'm not as high as sold on you. I think this could be possibly the worst Raptors. I mean, right now it's battle of whose benches in the past have been really bad and who's not been teams that have flaked out in the playoffs. So these are the teams that have, they've both been there out of all these like young teams in the East that the Raptors could have possibly drawn to, to get in the first round. So I think Wizards are going to definitely challenge them. I have them a little bit more than you. I have them in six. I think they could definitely get two games possibly at home just because just the whole job. This team's been there. Now the bench is miserable, but Raptors bench has been miserable all years in the past. Yeah, it's been good this year, but they're really relying off a bunch of young guys, and and can these guys, young guys, do it in the playoffs? And especially when you're in a series where you're playing where you can change formations and all that, and change the game plan, and each time, like each game, you're gonna the coaches can keep on watching and all that stuff. I think for the Raptors' sake, it just it, it'll help them in the long run too, being a team like this with Washington, but. As a first-round draw, I think this could be a nice little series to test the Raptors. Do we have what it takes this year to possibly get over that hump and beat the Cavs? Yeah, uh, I mean it's it it could be interesting. I'll give it that. Like Washington, they 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 might be able to tie it together. I think I think they're just so dysfunctional. They like I I I think everybody hates John Wall on that team like none of them like John Wall and it's like how do you go to work every day with a guy you don't like and and just pretend like everything's fine like you don't like it just shows like they Cortaz had a lot of things to say about him uh indirectly but it's obviously been about him uh and Beal kind of has as well I think I think they're definitely going to try to move John Wall this offseason it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out um but yeah I, I I'll be surprised if they push it to six uh, Boston and Milwaukee. Uh, this was kind of the perfect draw for you guys, I think. Um, yeah, you got to go up against Giannis, um, but I'm not really that concerned. This is probably the matchup that would concern me least uh, in this um, in any scenario that was possible for the Celtics. Uh, they just they haven't been good all season. They've been so disappointing, and Giannis has been great but their team hasn't. Nobody else has stepped up. Eric Bledsoe hadn't done shit since he got there. Uh, They're just just not – the the sum of their parts aren't as good as their parts. Like, 
and that's like the last thing you want when, when you're you know talking about your uh, about your basketball team. Um, I think Boston probably wins it in six. I think maybe it'll take them seven games uh, just because they're so depleted and Milwaukee does have Giannis. Um, but I'd be very surprised if Boston loses the series. Your thoughts? <clears throat> no, I mean, I'm with you. I do have Boston winning this series, but I have it in seven. Um, yeah. I just think with just all the injuries that uh, the Celtics have accumulated throughout the year, it might stack up. And But the Bucks are a good draw. I kind of would have wanted a Miami a little bit more. I just feel like Celtics against Miami would have been a better matchup. But I think for the Bucks too, they really disappear at the end of the game, especially the last two minutes in. When you have to put the ball in Giannis' uh, hand, he doesn't really have that great of a shot. So you really no. – they're getting down and all that. So And I just think Brad Stevens, coach the coach-wise, you have an interim against probably one of the best coaches. I want to say the best, but you still have Popovich out there. But Brad Stevens is going to definitely figure out how to stop the Bucks in the end. Now I give him taking this to seven just because being a Celtics fan – even when we had the big three back in the day, we got taken to the sevens by the Hawks, by you guys way back when in 08. Yeah. So we're just known not for taking care of business and doing sweeps and all that. Maybe we can figure it out in, in six, but I definitely kind of see you going seven, winning in the, in the garden and all that and getting over just, just with just all their injuries and all that. It's just, it might st- just stack up in a couple of games, especially when you are going against a team that has a superstar that is not injured for their team. So, but I think it's a it's going to be a fun series. Bucks are very tall and all that, so they do have length and all that uh, to them. So that could be a nice little thing. But I think in the end, the Celtics will Brad Stevens will figure it out and they'll get it done in seven. Six is I I see it could possibly happen, but I, I think seven's more realistic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think seven could happen, but I feel like six is, is more probable. So we're just kind of the opposite side of that coin. Uh, Cleveland and Indiana. Man, I'm I'm up so upset that Indiana drew Cleveland. <laughs> like, I've been rooting for them, like, all season. I was like, uh, I, I really did think that they, they were going to have a reasonably good team, and they they have indeed shown that they do have a have actually a pretty good team. Uh, but having to go against LeBron James and basically your your team that could never get past LeBron James to begin with, even in your you know prime Paul George years, plus your team that has one one superstar and a bunch of role players, and the top superstar is better. <laughs> like so, uh, you know, I I think. I think given all those factors, I'm going to say Indiana gets at least one game. They might even get two. Um, I could see them getting two games. Um, but I think, I think this will be, I think this will be a good, good series. Uh, like, I don't, I don't think, I don't think there'll be like, I don't think Indiana's going to be like get blown off the court, like blown out in, in back-to-back games or some, some crazy like that. Um, and I think this will be a, a fun series in the sense that it'll be a measuring stick for how far we think Cleveland can go. To get to see them play a seven-game series when, you know, we've 
just seeing them in the regular season all year. I think it'll be fun, and I think this will be a good like wake up game or wake up series for Cleveland. Like, uh, like maybe they lose game one, and then you know LeBron's like, nah, like y'all y'all need to rally, follow my lead, and then they you know win four in a row, you know, or something something like that. I'm interested to see what ends up happening with it because I do think uh, I do think Indiana, you know, is, is a formidable team to have to play in the first round. Um, I just don't think they have a shot at beating Cleveland. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'm with you. I felt so bad just for Indiana's sake. I mean, they had such a good season. No one saw them coming here, but to draw the Cavs is just so tough. I mean, you're going against LeBron who just really knows how to play just to play in the playoffs in general. I mean, I have them possibly going six, but I like I have it in six, but I have it probably winning like some crazy somehow Victor Oladipo or someone on that team just has this crazy game in Indiana, you know, and gets like the whole crowd because Indiana is a big, a really good basketball city. So I think it just out of all the teams that Indiana could have drawn, it just this was the t- the toughest one. I it just they have a good team. They're gonna be wrong. Miles Turner, Thaddeus Young, uh, Derek Hallson, Victor Oladipo. It's just they're they're not there yet. They're they still missing a couple pieces. I think uh, I've been kind of preaching that they should go out and get a point guard, maybe like an Isaiah Thomas. I think he'd be perfect with next to Oladipo, who's a more defensive, and now you have a score and all that. So I think the Pacers are they have a good team and and they definitely seen it like what they they have, but I think. Just making it to the playoffs right now with this whole team, letting letting Old Depot as your captain just kind of like see what it's like and all that. Going against LeBron will be nice. I just think, like you said, I mean, superstar to superstar, it's no comparison at all. Even second superstar, you're going to go guess, I guess Miles Turner would be your number two. Like best player on the Pacers is nowhere near Kevin Love. And, and Kevin Love is coming off an injury and all that, but Kevin Love's still – He's still an all-star and all that. So I do have Cavs. I can see them. I don't have a lot of teams, I don't think, in my mind that are going to go sweeping and and go 5-1, but I do think the Cavs are one team right now that could do this in in 5-1. They lucked out. I think they would not have liked to play the Bucs or Heat or Washington. I think Pacers for them is perfect because you don't really have a person that's playing up against LeBron at all times that can stop them. So that that's just the advantage right there. So I think Cavs might take it within five, but I could see maybe Indiana with some craziness in six. Yeah, I uh, I agree with everything you just said. I want to ask you something. Uh, what do you think the uh, odds should be on whether or not uh, um, Lance Stevenson will blow in LeBron James' ear at least once in this playoff series? Oh, I bet you know this Vegas odds probably. I think it's going to happen. I know. At least once. Like, that's you know, be a thing, right? You know one that's... of the people that's going to be matching up against LeBron is Lance Stevenson. He's the only he's one that's going to be like, guy, up against he's him. He's the only guy on that he has team that who mentality possibly has any it. chance of guarding him. You can't, yeah, you so, can't put you know, Boyan Bogdanovich on LeBron? Like, <laughs> you kidding? So I, I think it's definitely going to happen. I, I maybe give it two times. I think – that's how Lance is going to try to say, this is how we're going to get. I have to get in LeBron's head like I did back in the day. Now, LeBron being 
the superstars are going to let and let them get to him again. We'll see, but I think Lance is definitely going to do it. He's going to try to be that irritating little gnat in LeBron do the whole time. I mean, because that's their that's a mismatch. I mean, no one's pairing up. Like you said, no one's pairing up against LeBron on that team. So at least Lance Stevenson's got to do something. And hey, basketball is a mind game too. You can if you can get in someone's mind, you can get them out of their game very easily just with shutting them down. Yeah. Yeah, I think the only other person you could maybe put on him is Thad Young. I think Thaddeus Young can, could at least match up with him. He's not going to stop him or, or even really slow him down. But, um, but I mean, you just can't put – you just cannot put Bojan Bogdanovic on him. Like, he will eat him alive. Like, that. that's not a matchup that – you got to hide him on Kyle Korver or something. Like, you, you, you just can't – no. Uh but yeah, I, I think I, that's that's honestly the, what interests me most in this is how many how many times do we get to see Lance uh, match up against LeBron and you know what does all that entail because uh, they obviously have the history so I I think it's going to be really fun uh, yeah so uh, no no sweeps thus far um, uh, for for uh, either of us and I actually don't have any I don't think. I don't think we're going to see a sweep. Uh, we and we probably will, but I I can't predict one because uh, even moving over to the West, Houston, Minnesota. I think Minnesota is going to win. I'm going to say one game. I think they might win two. Uh, Houston's great, uh, but Minnesota does have just if if there's an advantage that Minnesota has uh, to playing Houston, it's that. They can slow, slow every try, or at least try to slow everything down, and and they don't pay, play at the Rockets' pace. Uh, so that maybe that affects them in a game or two, and maybe they win one or two. Um, and Butler's just awesome. Uh, Towns, I've been so impressed with him coming down the stretch of this season. Um, offensively, he's just so great. As soon as his defense comes along, he's competes. So unstoppable. Um, uh, but the big, of course, the 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 big wild card is Wiggins. Like, does Wiggins? I mean, how does he how does he affect this series? Does he have any effect on this series? Uh, you know, can he be a non terrible defender? You know. Um, I don't know the answer to those questions, but being that it's his first year in the playoffs and he's had a, just a suspect season, uh, I don't think I don't expect him to play all that well. I expect him to. I kind of expect Butler to be like, "No, I'm not giving you the ball," <laughs> like because all we know what you're going to do with it. You're going to pull up. You're going to take a mid-range jumper. You're going to miss it, and then you know the they're going to. Capella's going to get the rebound, hand it off to Harden, who's going to outlet it to Paul, and then that's a fucking layup. Like, no, we're not. So I think it'll be interesting. And if you don't have him out there, like, shooting the basketball for you, what help is he? Uh, the only other reason why you would have him out there is because you don't really have anybody else to throw out there. So, um, and, and Crawford just, he's kind of finally fallen, uh, like, down that notch we all knew was coming. Uh, and Houston's just such a well-oiled machine. Like, they have played so great this season. Offensively, they're just one of the most efficient teams ever. 
uh, it might be the most efficient offensive team ever. Um, I think they were at one point in the season. I don't know if they maintained that or not. Um, and defensively, they're just they're really solid. Whereas Minnesota has a lockdown defender. Uh, Houston has several, and it's just really good all the way around defensively. I also think Chris Paul is going to make Jeff Teague look silly. Um, all of those things uh, point to the Houston Rockets taking care of business. I st- still stand that uh, Minnesota will get one game out of the series. So, uh, what do you think about the matchup? No, I like the matchup on paper. It's really nice because, I mean, if you look at it paper-to-paper-wise, I mean, you got T-Wolves that have three potential superstars with Butler, Colin, and Towns, and somehow Wiggins. And then uh, <laughs> Houston, you have you have the two other superstars with uh, Harden and, and Chris Paul. So it's a good matchup paper, but it's Rockets just have such way more deeper of a bench. T-Wolves are miserable on their bench. They have no – their bench depth is not really that good. Like you said, Crawford didn't really pan out. It just – they don't – their bench depth that they thought they signed this summer that would help them really has not been helping them. Tom Thibodeau's really relied on playing their starters a lot this year. I mean, I think I'm pretty sure they are the team that averaged the most minutes per starter. Uh, I do think they'll possibly get two games. I could definitely see this one a 5 1 2. I just didn't want to go any 5 1s. This one and the Cavs, I think, could be the only 5 1s uh, just because the raw. Uh, but I feel like Andrew Wiggins, like you said, he's the biggest X factor in this, but he's he's like a Joe Johnson. He's going to have one of these games where it's just like, Andrew Wiggins just scored 32 points. What the, like, how? How, like, how do you not do this <laughs> yeah. every game, Andrew Wiggins? Like, you have all the tangibles in the world. You were drafted this high. I mean, people really see highly in you. I mean, you got this huge contract for a reason, but how do you not do this every game? Like you have a Joe Johnson syndrome and I bet the game that he does it, Joe Johnson, ironically will have 26 points off the bench. I'll be like, what the heck is going on right now? Like what is, what is, what is happening right here? So I think, I think like you said, Rockets just everything about the Rockets. My buddy was trying to say like, what if James Harden just doesn't show up and then that messes with the team because he has the ball in his hand a lot. But I kept on being like, no, dude. The Rockets are a team where they have really good shooters. Everyone can shoot a three ball on their team. And they're really about like, hey, you got the open shot, shoot the three. And then they got a good defensive center with Clint Capella, who I think will match up really good against College and Towns. And I was going to bring this up uh, on last show because I thought when you were talking about a player that could be the most improved player, and you went with Steven Adams, and you're, and you're having up these centers and putting them up. Dude, Clint Capella's had an amazing year this year. He, yes, he actually has. could be the most improved player if Victor Oladipo wasn't there this year. Yeah. Everything he's done for him, you really didn't see. He's still young. I think it's going to be a nice matchup, him and Colin and Towns, to give the advantage to other towns because he's more big body. He's got a great off, but it's going to be a good matchup. So I think just – so much with the Rockets. I mean, their bench is so deep. I mean, with the signings that they did, getting just a guy like Joe Johnson and Gerald Green, that just uh, more people to that team up. They got a um, – what's the state that uh, came from Toronto? Uh, P.J. Really Tucker. Good three and deep with, yeah, P.J. Tucker. So just like every person on that team can can score a three ball, and that's what their team is all about. Like it's 
this is a team that's finally understood like a, a Mike D'Antoni's like system and like, Hey, yep. you have the open threes, shoot it. Like Anderson, shoot it. Like don't hesitate. You're a shooter for a reason to shoot the ball. So I think Rockets will get it done. I think any other team Rockets could have drawn like the Pelicans or, or that they could have maybe swept. But I think this one, just because T-Wolves with their, like, on paper, like I was going back to just the Jimmy Butler and Colin Van Towns, I think they'll have enough to get it done one game definitely, and then they'll have that second game just because Andrew Wiggins will finally figure out what he's doing in basketball. But Tom Thibodeau was miserable. I don't know if you watched the end of that Jazz game. but I mean, not the Jazz yes. game, the Nuggets game, the playing game. But I did. He is the worst. Coach, drawing up an offensive play, what are you doing? You went in the final two minutes when you were tied. You drew up a play to Todd Gibson that was horrible. Not the Collins and Towns, the Todd Gibson. And then the last play of the game, I don't know if it what, fell apart, but that Jimmy Butler, what are you fading? Catching it away yeah. from the ball? And then, like, yeah. um, it, it was just, what I in was, the world was, are you doing? Talking are you trying to lose for them? No, I was, like, I was, I was screaming like, at the television. Like, you literally caught the ball going the wrong direction 40 feet away from the basket. Like, what the fuck was, are you doing? Like, it made it no was sense. It was Crawford, actually. It was Crawford that took that shot. I was like, what yeah. are you doing, dude? Yeah, oh, my. It was just Tom Thibodeau, man. He knows defense, but he does not know offense at all. Like, people are like, well, in Chicago, I'm like, no. But he had a good assisting coaching staff as well because Tom Thibodeau does not know. Offense. Been, and that was just miserable, man. I was just looking at that like, I'm so glad the Celtics have Brad Stevens. He's like probably the best person <laughs> yeah. drawing up a play out of like out of a timeout and looking at a team like that who has all the pieces in the world to drop an easy play to call up any towns to Jimmy Butler. That should be your only two people you're drawing a play up around. Maybe team time if you want to go wild with it. But Todd Gibson, so that's also a reason why I kind of give Rockets the slight could end up going 5-1. I don't see a sweep just because Minnesota has it, but Rockets have just the all-around advantage on on the T-Wolves. Yeah. Uh, by the way, um, two things. One, I've been saying all year I think Thibodeau is a better GM than he is a coach. <laughs> um, because, Namely because, uh, you know, like making – a lot of those acquisitions that that he did were were smart. Um, tra- I think trading for Jimmy Butler uh, made all the sense in the world. Um, to be able to fleece the Bulls and, and still get like to swap picks instead of just outright give the Bulls the number seven overall pick, I thought was pretty cunning. Um, I thought uh, signing Taj Gibson made a lot of sense given the you know the other pieces on that roster. Um, but as far as coaching. Uh, oh, and signing Teague. I thought that was that was a good move. Oh, and so they traded Rubio for a future first-round pick, which is Oklahoma City's, which they're getting this season, uh, and then signed Teague to replace him. Uh, so all of their moves, like, they, like this, the whole uh, of their moves, I think, was a net positive. But that dude, like, he's so overrated as a coach. Like, you're right. He's not. He's not. He's not a good schemer. Uh, and he just relies on, yeah, just throw Jimmy out there for 42 minutes, and uh, Carl gets 43, and Wiggins 
give him 39, uh, you know, like, and it's like, dude, like, you can't, like, you can't do that. Like, you're ruining people's careers. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's, that's beside the point. Uh, who's Who's got the better bench, Minnesota or Washington, before we move on? Oh, my goodness. That is <laughs> – <laughs> I yeah, would only right? give it to Washington because Kelly Oubre Jr. comes off of Washington's bench, and sometimes he's and still Sadoransky. young and all that. Sadoransky, man, that guy yeah. – that cat's been playing well this season. But yeah, those are so, the but, only two guys. <laughs> well, T-Wolf like, did get that guy. Who was the one that's an international player that they just got been in drafting stats? That started to show, wow, he got that triple-double while Jimmy Butler was uh, injured. If he can uh, somehow do it, I, I have no idea who you're talking about. I know, I know, oh, yeah. I, like, the two that I know are Gorgie Jang and uh, Tyus no. Jones. Um, no, no, those no. are like this. No, he, he's it, uh, like a, a three George or four. <laughs> no, he's a three or four. He got a triple-double while Jimmy Butler was injured. He's pretty good. He played in the Euro Leagues and he was like really good, like one of the better players in the Euro League for a while there. And he's been a drafting stash and he finally Jimmy Butler got injured, so he got more playing time. But I still give it to Washington's terrible bench just because Kelly Oubre Jr. can score you at least fourteen points a game, maybe have one of those twenty six point games for you. Yeah, I, I would I would have to agree. Um it's crazy. Like, it, well, obviously you also have Jamal Crawford. He just hadn't been very good this season. Um, he's been very, very disappointing. But nevertheless, uh, yeah, I, I would, I would definitely have to have to side with Washington, even though they have Ian Mahimi, <laughs> one of their bench guys, uh, which is and Jody Meeks, I think, is on their bench, uh, which is another one that's just like. Uh, I will say uh, one other person who's playing well for them this year is uh, the – damn, I forgot his name. The guy, he used to play for the Hawks. Um, he, he's, a, he's a power forward. Um, but anyway, he's he, he's Mitchell playing, from, he's a, from Michigan State? Uh, I don't think Mitchell's right. I, he's, he went to Michigan State. Uh, Peyton uh, – God, what is his name? I know who you're talking about. Uh, man, yeah. But, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, okay. Um, anyway, let's move on. we got about 17 minutes remaining. Uh, cover these last three series. Golden State versus San Antonio. I am very bummed that we're not getting to see Golden State versus Oklahoma City. Um, but, or I would I would have even really preferred to see Golden State versus Minnesota. Um, but, uh, I'm just crossing my fucking fingers that, like, when they announce the starting lineup for the game, like Kawhi Leonard's just gonna come out and be like, "Yeah, I'm playing." <laughs> like, how fucking, how fucking scared do you think Golden State would be at that point? <laughs> oh, they'd be so scared. I saw this. I was messing with my buddy, and I sent him this meme, and it was just like, you remember the Undertaker, the old one? He does the rides and all that, like after laying on the ground. It was him rising, but it was Leonard's face, and it was like. When Kawhi Leonard finds out that he drew the Spurs drew the Warriors in the first round, <laughs> and he can get revenge on Zaza Pachulia for last year's playoffs, and I was like, that'd be perfect. I would love it so much. It's not going to happen, unfortunately, because no, I think I'm, I've been fighting. I I've slowly been transitioning, but I think the 
Spurs and Kawhi marriage is over with. That's yep. that's. I don't think it, I don't think he's making it past this summer. Um, I've heard a lot of things, and trust me, I'm, I'm a Celtics fan. I, I would like it, but Dwayne Wade said it, I could see him going to the Celtics, but the team I see him going to, and I'm super, I'm very worried being a Celtics fan, even though we're set up perfectly in the future. But I see him going to the 76ers. I see the Good. Sixers trading. They have so much. The Sixers are another team that have so many assets. They have so many draft picks that they could trade them. They could trade them this 10th pick if they wanted. They don't even need it. It's just the 76ers can do whatever they want. If you put him next to a Ben Simmons and a Joel Embiid, that's perfect for, for Kawhi Leonard. He's not been like, yeah, he could be your superstar, and all that, but he's not a big vocal and all that and like, likes the spotlight. He's not a Kobe or a Michael and all that. And you, right. he just gets the job done and he knows how to do it. And he likes to play basketball. I don't think he liked that. Like, Hey, you're going to be in the face and all that. And I think he'd be perfect. Just somehow just sliding in at that three spot playing with Ben Simmons and all that. And I think that's better than, yeah, LeBron, anytime you can get a LeBron, but I think LeBron would take the ball more out of Ben Simmons' hands in the long run, but I think Kawhi Leonard would be a perfect for that. And then he just helps you out even more defensively in the long run because you're getting claws. So I just think the whole Spurs marriage is over. I do see this one going six games, though. I You still have Popovich. I mean, the Spurs team has somehow figured it out. They, they'll, they're very good defensively. They know how to play as a team. They're almost like a Celtics where – not as depleted, but they ran into a big injury with the player, but they still managed to get it done because they have a reasonable one. And LaMarcus Aldridge is shown in. I mean, he's, he's done in the playoffs before with Damian Lillard back in the day, so it's not like LaMarcus has never been there. It's just hopefully he can keep it up. And I think with the Curry injury, too, it's going to hurt him, but I think this was the best because DeJounte Murray is not a – Score and point guard. He can score. He's, he's a double-double kind of guy. He's very long. He's defensively, but he's not going to be dropping 20-plus points on your game. So that was a very good luck of the draw. I wanted it so bad to be OKC because I think it would have definitely went seven. And I think Westbrook could maybe pull the hat of the, the rabbit out of the hat and be – that would have been amazing. Such an upset. It would be so good. But I think Warriors are kind of – they're kind of right now. I don't trust that they're going straight into the finals. I mean, yeah, Curry's going to come back, but they've been playing miserable lately. I mean, their bench is not the bench that it used to be anymore. Iguodala mm-hmm. is finally aging. Like everyone's aging. They're having to play Zaza at starting at the center. I mean, you're putting a lot on this. So I think that's also like, there's a big rumor that Kevin Durant's going to restructure his, his deal because he probably understood, like, we don't have a bench. And Steph's co- contract's going to that crazy John Wall, 44, 40 million a thing, so I'm not getting that. Yeah. So I have to restructure so we can get some more bench depth because the Rockets are just – the Rockets are very deep. And the Rockets should be the team that is scaring the, the Warriors big time. I mean, OKC could definitely just do it just because – like this, it'd be a fun matchup in the star power, star power. But Warriors right now, they they lucked out. They lucked out big time. I think Spurs and Pelicans were what they wanted to draw, and they got one of the two. T Wolves would have 
definitely made test them, but the Warriors would have won in the end. But I think the Thunder. Oh man, I was I was trying to drop every way that it could happen, but there's no possible way. It's stunk that they're going into the final game playing the Warriors. If they were up a seed or down, then they could have sketched it out, but somehow they jumped up to the four seed. But no, yeah. It's going to be a good one now. If Kawhi Leonard came back, I would die laughing. I think somehow if you did have a Kawhi Leonard come back and he could just somehow mold it and thing, you could definitely see it going seven. But not Spurs aren't winning this one. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and I do think it'll be interesting to see where Kawhi ends up. I definitely think the teams that have the best shot are the Celtics and the Sixers. Um, and I think he would fit in either team perfectly, you know, whichever one, you know, offered San Antonio the best package. Uh, but let's move on. We got Portland and New Orleans, probably my, like, least favorite matchup. Um, don't really care. <laughs> like, I don't really, like, don't really care about the Blazers. Don't really care, care about that much about the Pelicans. I like, I like Damian Lillard a lot. I like... Uh, CJ, I love CJ McCollum. He's probably my favorite player on either one of those teams. Uh, and I love Anthony Davis, like uh, the lowest players. Uh, I also have been pleasantly surprised with Drew Holiday this season. Um, don't really have a vested interest. If, if you know, being that I think Portland, you know, they have you know the more experience and everything. I don't really think they have the better team uh, because I think Drew Holiday has been playing well enough that he and uh, AD together are, you know, about, not really even about, like, on par with Dame and CJ, and then, you know, everything around that is just role players anyway. Um, but uh, I think Portland's experience is what elevates them to victory. I'm going to say this goes seven games, though, uh, and if it does go seven games, I think that'd be a lot of fun uh, to watch. Um, another thing, too, Portland's been trailing off a little bit here at the tail end of the season. Um so maybe uh, that helps uh, the Pels by a game, an extra game or two or whatever, um, and ends up pushing that series uh, a little farther. Um, so I'm hoping that'll be a solid seven-game series. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Blazers and Pels? Yeah, I'm with you. I was kind of disappointed. I mean, once I saw that the Thunder couldn't play the Warriors, I thought another fun matchup would be the Thunder versus Blazers, just two teams, just high scoring, just going right at it. But this one, Pelicans doesn't really suit me. I mean, it's like two teams that are kind of opposites of each other. I have the advantage to Portland just because I think their two guards are better than the two guards that are going to be up against them on the Pelicans. I mean, it's either going to be Drew Holiday and, I don't know, Rajon Rondo or Etwan Moore. Yeah, I was going to say, so, why, why, why are you throwing shots at your boy, Rajon Rondo? What, I'm not throwing shots at him, but C.J. McCollin is another beast. <laughs> I mean, Dwayne Wade even said C.J. McCollin is one of the hardest players that he's ever had to go up against. So, I think God plays in. I do like the center for Portland, uh, Joseph uh, Nurchik. I mean, he's, he's been a good yeah. – yeah, he's been a good serviceable. I mean, he's not there every game, but he he's good. At, he's, he's a serviceable center for them, and I think that'll help out. I mean, no, he's not going to stop Anthony Davis, but he might have one game or two games where he kind of holds them down and and keeps them reasonable numbers. So I think that's how it's going to give you. I think this one will definitely probably go seven. I would have rather the Portland Trailblazers play in OKC okay, because that would have been a fun game, but. 
I do. I think Damian Lillard just, I mean, he did it his rookie season, hitting that shot against yeah. Houston when Houston was a way better team, supposedly, and just more mature. And this guy just lights out in your face right there. Like, yeah, Damian Lillard knows how to get it done. So Damian Lillard is just going to get it done, I feel like, in the end. It's going to come down to that. So I give I give the slight advantage, and I'll probably just go 7-2 just, just because, you know, Anthony Davis could figure it out. And like you said, Drew Holiday has been a good serviceable uh, point guard this season. He's finally had a healthy season and all that. So, But I wish, I mean, it could have been a lot of better draws. But this one this one could be my least favorite, but I do Blazers are one of my, like, other favorite teams to watch. I just, I've always liked Damian Lillard since day one. I used to love him and LaMarcus Aldridge back in the day. I thought Aldridge had that smooth little step back back when, he actually knew how to play. Now he's figuring it back out that he can play basketball again. So, but yeah, I've always liked <laughs> yeah. the Blazers. I think they, you know, they have they they do Brandon have a Roy. lot of people like Al Farouk, Aminu. You know, they have people that can like hit the three and all that. So the, I, they have a, I guess, a deeper team because the Pelicans aren't really deep in my mind. They're no, they're people now. They got, um, got Miritich and that's well, Miritich and Miritich has been playing like he's been doing lately. That's going to be a that's how it's going to get to seven. Blazers yeah. could win it in six, but Miritich lately has been good. That was a great trade by them. But other than that, I mean, you kind of just start flaking off on like it's not as deep as the Blazers have just some some not like grade A names, but at least some good like people that can get you minutes and possibly buckets while you're Damian Lillard or C.J. McCollin are sitting. So. Yeah. All right, we got about we have about five more minutes. Oklahoma City and the Jazz round out uh, the top. I think this is going to be a really fun series. Um, the Utah Jazz have been terrific uh, coming down the stretch of this season. Oklahoma City has been just underperformed all season. It's been real iffy. Um, and, you know, I – I don't, I don't want to give the advantage to Utah. I think I might give the advantage to Utah. Their defense is better. Uh, it's been crazy good since Rudy Gobert's gotten back. And, you know, Donovan Mitchell's been playing really well. Um, I, I want to say Oklahoma City's going to win it. I think it'll take seven. But it wouldn't shock me at all if Utah, um, you know, goes out there and then wins the series. What are your thoughts? Oh no, this one this one's gonna be a fun one. I feel like for Thunder this could have been the worst matchup for them to get. I mean, they probably would have rather yeah. had the Spurs, the Pelicans, or even the Warriors. They did not yeah, wanna get or the T Bulls too. They did not want to get the Jazz who since the All Star break have been playing amazing. They are really good defensively. Not to mention Thunder if they ever do somehow they, beat them, they have to play the Rockets. So no, they yeah. did not want this position. No. <laughs> yeah. So I just think this one could be really fun. The only thing is Jazz don't have as many offensive weapons as the Thunder. I've been preaching that the Thunder right. are built to be a playoff team, and they have three mm-hmm. people capable at any game scenario, even if it hasn't been shown all season. At any time, they have three people that can score you 12 points in one quarter, and that's huge in today's NBA, especially in the playoffs. Regular season's different when you're playing, but when you're playing – a systematic game where you're going in a whole series and you're changing gameplay and schemes and all that. You need players at one time to just be like, 
oh, hey, my team's struggling. Let me get some buckets. And they have three of them that can do it. And possibly throwing Steven Adams out of nowhere. So now they have four. So yeah. I think that gives the slight advantage. Now they're not as deep as the Jazz. I feel like the Jazz are a little bit deeper. But I just feel like with Donovan Mitchell being a rookie, first time in the playoffs, it's going to be a lot to handle. Rudy Gobert is a good defensive center. He's a really good player, but he's not a great offensive. Like, you're not like Rudy Gobert. He's going to get 20 and 20 and, like, no. possibly three blocks and, and two steals. No, that's not happening. Yeah. So you're not worrying about that about Rudy Gobert. Now, they do have a deeper team with Rudy Gobert. I mean, uh, Ricky Rubio. I like Jay Crowder. I love that trade for him from day one. I mean, Ronnie Hood mm-hmm. wasn't just fit, fitting in them long term, but Jay Crowder really does. And then you have um, what is the white guy they just re-signed last year too that can shoot threes for them? Um, Joe Ingles, well. Jonas Jurecko, also. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, Jazz are a really good team, and I think it's going to be fun. I think it's definitely going to go seven, but I think Thunder are definitely going to end up coming out of this one and and, and advancing to play. Unfortunately, the Rockets, they're they're hoping in the end that. The Pelicans somehow upset the Blazers so that they can draw the Warriors, which would I just I want I want Russell Westbrook to go against the Warriors so bad. It's not gonna happen. Yeah, they're, it's yeah, not, they're just, it's not gonna happen. It's not, it's uh, and and because of the NBA playoff structure, like it, like they they you know it doesn't matter. It's not like NFL where it, it matters who beats who to who to who you play next. So. They're they're either going to play Houston or Minnesota, and if they're going to play Houston, uh, if if they get past Utah and they're not, they 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 just they're not equipped to beat Houston. They just they they were always constructed to beat Golden State, and I would give them a a, a slight chance to beat Golden State with Steph Curry, and I would give them about a fifty fifty chance if play in, in, in round one, um, especially as bad as, as the, you know, Warriors have been playing. Um, but that's going to wrap it up for us tonight. Uh, thank you, Luke, for joining me, man. Uh, it was a pleasure uh, breaking down all of the series and the mock drafts. Uh, I can't wait for the actual draft lottery so we can really delve in and, uh, and kind of, you know, take a look at the whole board. That's going to be a lot of fun. But, yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks again for having me, man. It was a lot of fun, and I can't exactly – can't wait till we know the exact draft order and everything, how it all shakes out. Peace out, man. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's going to be awesome. Real quick, before we go, oh. uh, who do you have making the Eastern Conference Finals and the Western Conference Finals? I mean, dude, I'm sticking by my topics all day. I ride or die with my Celtics, but I mean, if I'm going to be true, <laughs> nice. it's going to be it's going to be Cavs uh, Houston probably in the in the yeah. finals. It, yeah, I I I would imagine that's what it'll be too. I'll, I'll say Houston Golden State in the West, Cavs Sixers in the East. I don't think the Sixers are. Ooh. I, I like them a lot, but I don't I don't think they're going to get get past. Well, I, in the Eastern Conference Finals, yeah, I I, mean, I definitely think they'll make the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, cause they don't have to play, they don't have to play Toronto or Cleveland to get there. So, um, but anyway, that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, guys, we'll be back next Monday, nine o'clock, be breaking down the playoff games from over the weekend until then. Peace. Peace.